This is the Band School Podcast, where we talk about business adventure and mission with your host, Buddy Rathmel. All right. Uh, I'm here today with Chris Cahoon. He's a, a longtime three continent friend from way back. We worked together in Japan and we've um, connected multiple times in America and Europe. And uh, I'm really excited to bring him on. He's a great conversationalist. In fact, at one point, I said, hey, we're thinking of doing this thing in Thailand. You should come out. You're a great conversationalist. But the thing never happened, and Chris never came. So uh, Chris is um, he's an adventurer, an artist, a climber, a teacher. And right now he's out at the Monterey Museum of Art in Monterey, California. And we actually got to connect about a year and a half ago uh, out there. And so, Chris, welcome to the BAM School Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. <laughs> Yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey and um, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, it's it's uh, been anything but a straight line to where I am, that's for sure. So I grew up uh, in the cornfields of uh, central Illinois and uh, joined the Air Force out of high school because that's just what you do, serve God and country, and figured I'd make that a 30-year career, but uh, quickly got involved in youth ministry as a volunteer uh, at my first base. And, and thought, you know, I love the Air Force, uh, but I love this even more, and it's a lot more meaningful than what I'm doing. So uh, finished out four more years of enlistment, went to Bible college, uh, and then into youth ministry, uh, where I eventually met you. And uh, just during that time, uh, felt God calling me to the art world. Uh, you know, it was one of those where I was just complaining to God in, in prayer about how dark and godless the art world was, and he should send somebody to do something about that, and uh, he agreed. So <laughs> so I, I uh, actually kind of, at the time, begrudgingly uh, left for art school uh, and with a, a gentle nudging out of the nest from a great boss that I had at the time. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I went to art school and have been kind of on that track ever since in different ways. A lot of that has been just consulting, helping people build creative uh, education programs, um, whether centered around art or, you know, I even did a, a sustainable community gardening uh, discipleship program for a church for college students. Um, and uh, um, in Nepal, uh, put together, kind of reorganized a uh, uh, social enterprise for orphans around jewelry making uh, to make it sustainable uh, over three months and then came back and and through a, just a God uh, divine appointment um, somebody said hey you should go to the Rhode Island School of Design where I went you know and, and which is a tier one school they're always neck and neck with with uh, Yale vying for first place kind of as art schools. And so I, I said, well, thanks for the compliment. But uh, um, so actually applied and it was probably the quickest, uh, sloppiest application I ever I ever wrote and just said, well, God, if you want me in, I'll, I'll, I'll get in. And lo and behold, they called me back in a couple of days and said, hey, we love you and we have money for you. So got my wow. got my master's in art and design education there um, in 2016. And uh, looked for a job for a while after that, uh, flipping burgers for about a year uh, to make ends meet and found this job out here and moved out. Uh, and so, 
yeah, I've been here for just over three years now. So, cool. So, so you've had a lot of um, different places, different jobs. Mm-hmm. What have been some of your favorite adventures along the way? Oh, man, there are many, many. So uh, yeah, I always tell people, you know, if, if I died today, I've had a rich life. Um, you know, the Lord has, has blessed me with lots of adventures and, and say that he's, he's made me for two things and that's, uh, to be creative and to adventure. Uh, and, oh, cool. and so, um, yeah, just being able to travel different places. Um, Okinawa is second home, you know, just living there with, uh, you and the Rathmels and, uh, the Hutchings and, and just the whole crew there was, was always amazing. Um, Probably the, although one that stands out is the trip to Nepal, you know, where um, the director called me, um, which is a bit of a miracle in itself uh, with that story, but called and and said, hey, I need somebody in Nepal to kind of reshape this program and make sure it's sustainable. Uh, Can you go? And I was like, "Uh, yes, but let me pray about it. And I think within three weeks, I was on the ground uh, in Kathmandu. Uh, and just such an amazing, rich time of seeing God's hand uh, time and time and time again. Um, I got to be uh, the first uh, Westerner to ever stay in a village in the Himalayas uh, foothills where one of my students was from. And uh, um, and just hear how even in Nepal where um, uh, Christianity is isn't isn't necessarily overtly illegal but but much of it is is uh, legislated out of practice um, then there's a, just this amazing valley um, where the gospel has been thriving for 150 years as far as they can tell you know a great Christian community uh, in this valley so really cool so yeah just yeah. an amazing time that's neat I hope I hope to make it to Nepal uh, hopefully this fall if if covid recedes <laughs> according to my plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there a, um, a quote that kind of inspires you as you live life? Um, I, I mean, there are, there are many a quote and certainly a lot, a lot of scripture that, um, you know, about running the race and, and uh, with Romans 12 and Hebrews 12 um, and others. But uh, kind of one of the quotes I was thinking of is Jim Elliott, uh, who says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So, you know, I, I just see one of, one of the tragedies of living longer is seeing people walk away from the Lord or, or pursue, um, other things, um, you know, and forsaking the Lord for those. And, and I just think, you know, what, of what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Uh, it's probably one of the great tragedies in life. And so Jim Elliott, I think has the, the positive way of, of, spinning that yeah that's that's great i love love that quote as well so tell us a little bit about being missional in the art world how did how does that play out what is your experience (laughs) um yeah uh that's that's uh it's a long topic um it's it's interesting it's um yeah i I, and actually, I'm kind of at a crossroads uh, career-wise, um, still with the goal of, of ministering to the art world. But I'm just saying that uh, it's easier to, to minister uh, outside of the institutions rather than from the inside in a lot of ways, you know. Um, and that's 
that's been a huge uh, tension the last few years working in the museum is, is you know, when, when is it uh, wise to stay quiet and when is it coward, cowardly to stay quiet and when is it, um, when should I speak up and, and when is it not wise to speak up is, has been a, a really interesting conundrum to, to ponder. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I would say by and large, the circles that, that I'm in within the art world, I would label them as religiously Marxist. Um, yeah. and, and so that is, uh, very much the, the dominant worldview, um, you know, sprinkled it's California. So it's sprinkled with a lot of new age, um, thought as well. Um, but uh, have had a number of, of uh, conversations on why, even why capitalists can't be artists, you know, can't be true artists because they don't think critically about anything, you know. So, <laughs> so how could how could conservatives or capitalists be con be uh, true artists? And, um, and uh, yeah, just how that that conception of conservatism and Christianity kind of bleed together uh, in the minds of those those that I'm around. So. So it's, it's been interesting, you know, it's, uh, it is a much different culture than where I grew up even. Um, and, uh, you know, where, where we worked within the military and in youth ministry overseas and, and those things. Um, and it, it's a bit like, you know, I, I never had culture shock going overseas. Um, I would culture shock would only set in when I'd come back home. Uh, yeah. because you have these expectations of, of what home is and you realize it's changed as you've been gone. Yeah. Um, and you've changed as you've been gone and, and those things amplify one another. And so, you know, uh, I work mostly with Americans in the art world. And so you kind of have this, Oh, I, I get you, you know, but you just realize yeah. there's this vast difference in culture and worldview. Um, but there's some amazing conversations too, and, um, artists by and large have, um, amazing hearts, you know, and they just want to love people well, um, and, um, do, uh, do good in the world, uh, but, uh, through, through a much different lens. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting how just about everyone I think would say, yeah, I want to do good with my life. Mm -hmm. Like I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. Everyone loves the videos of the, the postman, like shoveling the walk or, you know, celebrating the guy delivering the packages during COVID or, or paying for, you know, bringing the military person home with their kids, like all these things, like we love all these little things. And yet so much of what we see is just, hate and vitriol and judgment and um yeah it's it's interesting the the place that we're at in the world right now like if you get to know almost any person on an individual basis you're like okay i mean there's a few people in the world that, that you know we we probably wouldn't <laughs> like or our personalities clash or whatever but um yeah whatever the whatever forces are at play with social media and judgment and cancel culture. It's like, it's, it's really the opposite of how 
most people one-on-one would say they want to live, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it's a lot of it too is just comes down to the definition of what is good and who gets to define that, you know? And, and so you have cancel culture saying we get to define good. And since we think, you know, our view is good and your, your view is bad, then we have an obligation to shut you down. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas for us, we're, we're saying, you know, goodness comes from outside of ourselves um, and is transcendent. So, yeah. so that's a big piece of the conversation yeah. that we just don't get to. Uh, right. I'm hoping that 2021 <laughs> sees the cancellation of cancel culture. <laughs> That's my hope for uh, the year to come. Yeah. So how do you sustain your joy, hope, and peace in an environment where, you know, you have this value tension every day that you step into work, um, and yet you have a calling to, to make a difference in that environment? So how do you personally sustain yourself? In yeah, it's it's uh, honest, honestly, at times it's it's rough. Um, and, yeah. and I would say... Um, there are times that just aren't aren't fun for long stretches and and i would say that i'm not happy but i think joy is that is the longer piece and there still is joy Mm -hmm. there um and it is keeping uh, keeping an eye on eternal things uh keeping an eye on the long game um and uh you know and even in the midst of covid or in the midst of uh political upheaval and cancel culture and all these things like I can trust that that God is sovereign. He's got it, you know, um, yeah. so worrying about it or being upset about it, it's not going to do much uh, for me, you know, so. Yeah. Um, so just that that hope in Christ for sure. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just staying active in scripture. Uh, and, the, and the one thing that I learned the hard way in art school, um, I worked a job where uh, I wasn't able to go to church most Sundays for about a year and it just killed me. And yeah. so that just really taught me. It's like, I won't have a job that I can't attend church. You know, I need that community. Um, yeah. I need need that fellowship, um, you know, to to lift me up, you know, as, as kind of a respite in my week. Yeah. So, so that's been huge. Yeah, I... I had a great learning experience with that. We had a um, we had a boss when we were in Japan who I'm not sure was was actually a follower of Christ, but he was a chaplain. <laughs> and so I started about once a month being like, ah, you know, the kids were little. I started being like once a month, let's just take, you know, Sunday morning off, not go to church. And we probably did that three, maybe four times, you know, three or four months in a row. And then I was like, you know what, this like. I'm not there just to hear from this guy. I'm here for the community and the other things that are there and whether or not he was actually saying good things. I don't think that he actually <laughs> believed him, but I, we just decided, you know what, we're, this is, this is not a good habit. Like we're not going to take a Sunday off a month. And I remember just being super blessed, like every week that I would go and it would be like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Paul's phrase of whether false motives are true. The gospel is preached <laughs> and, I don't know what his motives were, but I know that uh, whenever I would, when we would go, I would be blessed from hearing the word, from the community, from experiencing the worship. And um, yeah, that was just a great lesson for me um, of, yeah, that community sustains you no matter what, you know, you're going through. And um, 
we've had some hard times. Like in Thailand, I remember five months in saying to my wife, this country is killing me and the things that we're involved in. And uh, we had like just landed. And um, and it's it's been our house church community and the friends, you know, when, when things have been difficult that mm-hmm. have um, – that are here that have really encouraged and sustained as we've, um, yeah, just thought to be faithful in this environment. Yeah. So cool. Thanks for, for sharing those things. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, w- <coughs> two days ago I learned about NFT <laughs> and the first thing I did after, um, spending about 45 minutes just, um, researching and reading was message you and say, Chris, do you know enough about NFT to get out a podcast? <laughs> And I uh, thought it'd be a fun opportunity to connect and for me to learn about NFT and help our listeners to learn about it. And um, yeah, it's it, it's amazing to me how quickly things change, opportunities that are there for people to jump on them. And this intersection, NFT is, in my mind at least, is really an intersection about art and, and business and mm-hmm. um, some way, you know, there's some things in it that seem like really great for artists. Um then there's other people that are like, oh, no, this is better for the investors. And, you know, um, there's all of that kind of thing. But I thought it'd be, a, you know, just fascinating to learn from you um, what, you know, what is NFT? What is what is it about? Where is it coming? And real quick, before we dive into NFT, have you ever seen the documentary Enter Through the Gift Shop? Yep. I think it's yeah, for 2011. Sure. Um Maybe Banksy, maybe not Banksy, who knows, mm-hmm. but um, just as for me, if I'll put it in the show notes, if you've never seen it, it's a fascinating, um, it's just fascinating on so many different levels, like business, the art world, culture, people, how art, you know, um, is created and all of those kind of things. Um, any any reflections real quick on Enter Through the Gift Shop before we dive into NFT? Oh, uh, actually, there today uh, there was a tweet that went out. I was, I was listening to a um, art and NFT uh, clubhouse room for a little bit uh, on my lunch break, and somebody said, "Guys, my friends just tweeted me and said they're doing they're minting an NFT." Um, you know, they're, they're ultra rich and don't care about money and they're burning a Banksy like live and they're going to mint it. So, yeah. so it's an interesting, uh, yeah, nice little seg between the two, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, so did they do that? Did uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I was getting back to work, but, uh, yeah. uh, well, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be, there'll more, be more chatter about it if they're, if, if it happened. So uh, since Banksy destroys his own stuff, <laughs> right, he's yeah, probably, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's probably down with that. Yeah. So, so yeah, enter, enter through the gift shop is, is an interesting one, you know, uh, and it, it was, uh, made by Banksy, but whether it was actual documentary or just totally made up, you know, kind of is, yeah. is an interesting question. And, and it does capture a lot of the, just the, the hype and the absurdity that goes with the art world and the market and, and the influence and, uh, different institutions. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great, great flick to watch. Yeah. I actually, we do this week long, um, businesses mission training every year and people's brains are hurting like halfway through. And so in the middle of the week, I usually say, Hey, if anyone wants to come, <clears throat> I'll bring the drinks and popcorn and we're going to watch a movie. And, um, 
and it's fun because there's so many lessons, but it's just a fun, you know, mm-hmm. it's fun and uh, experience as well. Yeah. So, all right. So learn us, oh sage, <laughs> wise one, on all things NFT. Well, what's what's the saying about you only have to know one more thing than your pupil? Uh, <laughs> it's yes. about where I'm coming from with this. So you're, you're two days in. I'm about a weekend to NFTs, yeah. but but have uh, certainly uh, been uh, marinating in it uh, through this week because I I think it's there's some amazing possibilities and. Uh, you know, it, it, it's very speculative at this point because the market is is so new. And so, uh, but uh, NFT. So let's, let's, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you're about to tell, for yeah. people that don't, have never heard yeah. of an NFT, tell them what it is. So it's called a non-fungible token. Um, and it's, uh, has to do with cryptocurrency and blockchain uh, technology. And um, basically you're, um, you're creating a digital token of ownership, um, and that could be a, a token of ownership over a physical item, or um, what's what it's most popular with right now is with digital art. And so, uh, before it was hard to sell digital art unless it was you know a subscription or you sell directly to a, a company for an ad or or something because it's so easy to replicate. There's no way of knowing, you know, if, if you have a Picasso, you can tell by um, the, the way it's painted and the age and the signature and these things that you have an original Picasso, it's, it's hard to duplicate. But with uh, digital media, all you have to do is right click and, and hit copy and paste. And, uh, and you can legally or illegally own that piece of artwork. And so it just wasn't saleable um, in a market-driven sense. And so what this does is um, you can now um, take the link for that piece, or sometimes if if it's a small enough uh, file, you can actually take the file and embed it into an encrypted code um, that can't be duplicated and essentially have proof that it's yours. And within um, that space, the, uh, so kind of the, the most common cryptocurrency being used at the moment is Ethereum. Um, and so within your Ethereum wallet where you keep your tokens and keep your money, then uh, if you go to sell that uh, token, it can be tracked through the blockchain. And so you know, as, as soon as you sell it and somebody else has the rights to it, then there's a ledger for provenance going back to saying, yes, um, this person owns it, this other person owned it before, and before them was the original uh, mentor, so likely the artist that, that minted it. And so yeah. um, so it, it just allows you to track it. Um, the great news for artists is that you can do smart contracts with it. Um, and so right now, typically, uh, if I were to sell the painting on the wall behind me, then um, I could sell it, uh, we'll say for 20 grand um, in, in my dreams, I could sell it for 20 grand. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> if there are any buyers out there, uh, DM me. Uh, and so I would sell it for 20 grand and then that person could turn around and sell it five minutes later, flip it for 80 grand perhaps, or down the road or, and any sale after that, um, the artist gets squat. Um, 
you know, and so really it's, it's the, um, the, the gallerists and the collectors down the road, the investors who make all the money off of my creative work. And so the starving artist continues to starve. Um, and so with the smart, um, smart contracts, the artist can mint into, and, and minting is just the forming that contract. Um, and, and the non-fungibility side uh, means that um, it can't be exchanged uh, and it's immutable. So it can't be changed, that contract can't be changed. Um, and so you can essentially put in there, if you buy this work of art, every subsequent purchase, I get 10 or 20% royalties. And so I can continue making uh, a piece of the pie for my ideas. So uh, that's probably the biggest reason it's blowing up within the, the art world is being able to yeah. finally sell digital um, as yeah. well as um, have those smart contracts. And, and there are actually some really amazing creative ways that people are uh, coming up with new ideas. You know, songs are kind of the same way. Uh, people are selling experiences. So yeah. uh, the NBA is getting in with um, uh, is it NBA top game, something along those lines, top, top shot, yeah, top shot like where LeBron will make a three pointer and they'll sell it, you know, and yeah. you can own that moment and people will do something, you know, it's kind of like trading cards in a way, um, only you'll yeah. get the video or whatever and, and, um, potentially the rights to those. And I've, I've heard people say, you know, I'm selling whatever moment and, um, I'm linking to all of the tweets that come in and the reactions that come in. So like say LeBron again, you, you not only get the, the link to the video, but you get all the tweets of everybody reacting to that shot, um, you know, that, that you own as a collector. Yeah. So, so a lot of people don't get it cause they're like, I, I can just watch that, you know, on, <laughs> on right. YouTube, but, um, yeah, but it's, you know, collectors collect. So, right. It's fascinating to me, you know, just, yeah, that you can own a 13 second dunk and, and actually it's more like three seconds, but they have, you know, the before the after and they're spinning it in a cube or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And like Beebley's, you know, I think he just, he just had a large cell. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's what, yeah, that's what really helped blow up, uh, um, to mainstream media is, is Christie's just sold Beeble's, uh, piece for, uh, 6.6 .6 million. Um, wow. and so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of one of the main institutions putting their stamp of approval on digital art, uh, finally. Yeah. And so yeah. then all the other collectors are now starting to say, Oh, should I get in on this? You know? Uh, so, yeah. so there, there were already quite a few collectors, um, but more, uh, just digitally oriented, more actually real crypto collectors, you know, people that are just really interested in crypto, um, billionaires and CEOs and such that are interested in, uh, in the movement. And it, it's interesting because it's a lot about, um, of course, building that market. So, you know, their collections worth more, but also, uh, kind of building up those artists and, um, the, uh, the scene in general rather than just flipping things or, or whatever. There's a lot of interesting altruism in the movement. So. Yeah. So have you thought about jumping in in the last <laughs> week? Is there a way that you would get into digital art? You know, I, I actually have, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to at the same time build 
my consulting business suddenly. Um, and, and so it's vying for my attention. Uh, but it's interesting for me uh, because most, uh, most of my artwork deals with entropy. And uh, I tell people that I make things that fall apart. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just kind of starting the conversation with artists about, um, you know, it, it's essentially Ecclesiastes, uh, life and death, you know, all things are vanity and we're gonna die. Your artwork at some point is going to die. Um, even yeah. your crypto art, uh, you know, is uh, going to be made redundant down the line sometime when the technology is no longer keeping up. Um, and so what does that mean about life and, and life after? And so I make things like the uh, painting behind me is, is made out of uh, a super sticky double adhesive tape. And so it's collecting uh, lint and detritus and uh, detritus and dust and stuff in the air. And one day it'll be done. Or I'll show you this other piece real quick um, on my other wall. So these are canvases that I actually planted in the garden with vegetables. Um, and let them grow up through it. And then over the next couple of years, the canvas has just kind of rotted away. Um, and so, so it, cool. it sparks some great conversations um, and gospel center yeah. conversations, but uh, it sparked zero sales. Because <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to sell. We'll, we'll post a link in the show notes <laughs> yeah. to, to your- There you uh, go, yeah. It's, what, do you call the, what do you call the rotting canvas? Uh, that one I think was called Square Roots, um, and uh, yeah, each series kind of has a different name. There's Documentropy uh, was a series, and and so uh, yeah, it, it takes on different forms. But uh, but yeah, because it's falling apart, then it's not likely to sell, um, yeah. you know. Uh, and so uh, you know, with with uh, crypto art, then I could actually take the images and even again, sell a moment within the life of that work, you know, and, and do a collection yeah. of kind of beginning to end through the process of uh, planting the piece in the garden to where it is today, you know, to its final demise. Um, yeah. And people could own a piece of that, that work. So, uh, yeah. and it's, it, it, it's really cool. Yeah. So, so I've thought about it. Um, I, yeah, way behind on the technology side and, and uh, learning the ins and outs of minting as well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, I, I heard somebody talk the other day, I think is probably pretty spot on that, you know, uh, when uh, Bitcoin came out and cryptocurrency first came out, it just blew up uh, and then it yeah. died and everybody thought it was gone. Yeah. And then it slowly continued to rise. And so I, I think it'll probably be a similar gold rush uh, and it'll hit the bubble and, and then, um, once people, once, once it's mainstreamed a little more, I think it'll, the market will really start to take off. So, so I don't, I don't know that I'll get on the first wave necessarily. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll probably in the next few months, see if I can't mint something, you know, even, yeah. even just as a, an experiment or something new and creative to learn. So. Yeah. If you do, let us know, and we'll we'll update that in the in the show yeah, notes for sure. as well. Um, it's you know I I I said to my wife um, years ago I was telling her about Bitcoin, and I said, 
Yeah, there's this thing called Bitcoin. I said I was thinking about getting some when it was eight dollars, but now it's eighty, <laughs> so it's just way too expensive. Like, because I was thinking in my mind, kind of like a stock mm-hmm. equivalency, you know. And um, yeah, I've I've lamented a time or two that eighty dollars would have been a good, um, and probably in five years I'll be going. Yeah, Chris and I were talking when Bitcoin was forty eight thousand, and it just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. So now it's three billion. Yep. Whatever, uh, so. Yeah, I think uh, Ethereum is around fifteen hundred right now for a, for one ETH, and and there's talk of a one or two new ones kind of coming out that will serve new kind of new purposes and open up new ways of using uh, cryptocurrency for um, uh, NFTs. So yeah. that that could actually be an interesting uh, thing to look at for uh, you know if that's opening up new functions and new markets then. Uh, you know, you may not get the the Bitcoin rush, but it might be worth investing. Yeah. So, do you have any other prognostications on the future of NFT and art? Um, I mean, it's it's just going to continue expanding. You know, I, I love hearing naysayers. Uh, there's a um, probably the most prominent uh, art critic in the U.S. Somebody the other day said he he said, "Oh, that's just for." A bunch of old white Republican men, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, which if you look at the uh, the people that are putting it up is is not the case. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, but it, it's kind of the typical any anytime something new comes out, even in the art world, people poo poo it and say that's not art, you know, and and yeah. try to hold on to their uh, their little slice of the kingdom and. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. Uh, I think there are brilliant ways of of expanding art through NFTs. So, and you even see um, some of the really high end realtor or realtors, um, uh, fashion houses and and labels are starting to mint NFTs to go with their apparel. Um, oh, cool! And and there's a lot of digital apparel now, um, really starting to crop up, and and you have all of the um, virtual worlds, you know, that are, people can, can sell, uh, virtual real estate or, uh, virtual items or even virtual fashions, uh, even for gaming systems. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to say where it'll go, uh, yeah. cause it's a bunch of creative people that are, uh, creating new things. Yeah. So, um, as we wrap up, what are what are some of the dreams that you're still chasing? What are some <laughs> of the things that you'd like to see uh, in your life? Um, selling a piece of artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I think I designed a tattoo for a kid in sixth grade, and he paid me a dollar, and that's that's actually the last money I've ever made off of a piece of artwork. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, I, I would love, especially with the art ministry piece. Uh, the dream down the road is to start an artist in residence program and let artists come to me for months at a time. Um, and even beyond that, um, to start a kind of an alternative school, um, which I think, you know, a thing or two about that. Um, but, uh, just kind of a, there's some really amazing, um, avant-garde artists that are believers and, and just aren't able to really advertise that. And so I'd love yeah. to get just the, the top of the top to do maybe even a few months at a time um, and just invite 
whomever to come out and attend the school and just share truth in that medium. So kind of, kind of a, uh, Schaefer Libri model. And then there was an art school called black mountain college, uh, back in the sixties where Buckminster Fuller and, and a lot of people were, um, on faculty, the, the Bauhaus, uh, instructors all kind of gravitated there. And it was just kind of come, come as you want and stay as long as you want, but contribute, you know, if, if you're here as a student, then you're expected to teach as well. And as kind of a collective, um, but it fundamentally reshaped uh, contemporary art in both America and the world just over those few years. Yeah. And so I'd love to do that on more of a, a kingdom level. Yeah, so. that's really cool. I, I love hearing about the, <laughs> the dreams in people's hearts and, and, you know, they don't always come to fulfillment mm -hmm. this side of eternity, but many times they do, or pieces of those we mm -hmm. start to see. And, um, yeah, I've been, I have started a couple schools, um, but I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, next level, like having kind of my own campus. And, um, one of the things, like some of the places I've looked at it, one of the things I've thought is, man, we're not going to be able to fill this space up. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll work together again someday and, there you go. um, we'll be, um, we'll be campus mates, uh, somewhere. Yeah, for so. sure. Would love it, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, how can, uh, if, if people want to get a hold of you or if they want to buy square root, um, how do they, how, what's the best way for people to contact? You? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, part of what I'm, I'm building at the moment, uh, taking up my time. But, uh, for now, honestly, I'll just, uh, they say never give out your, your email account, but I, I can do that. You know, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Chris okay. Cahoon. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what the best Instagram is just Chris Cahoon, all one word, C O H O O N or uh, okay. chris.cohoon at gmail. All right. So. We'll, we'll link to those as well. All right. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Um, really fun. Yeah. Thanks for uh, the quick uh, entry into NFT and Absolutely. helping me to learn a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, till uh, next time, listeners, uh, be adventurous. And we'll see you again on the BAM School podcast. BAM School. Facilitating a global, self-funding, disciple-making movement through business. Thanks for tuning in to the BAM School Podcast. Find show notes, free courses, resources, and more at forbam.com.